everybody and welcome to this episode of Control Alt Delete Slash Church. And with me today is Roddy Hamilton. Hi Roddy. Hi, Stuart, how are you? I'm okay, I think. I'm never very sure. Just, <laughs> we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, it's early. Still morning. <laughs> indeed, indeed. A lot more damage to do yet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um I'm I'm gonna start with a question of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something back at you that you said to me a long time ago, right? And I, I at the time, I laughed, and now I think you were serious. Um, a long time ago, well, not that long ago, because I've only been a minister for three years, so it must have been about oh, six years thing. ago, um, I said to you, oh, I'm training, going to be training for ministry, and you said, oh, my goodness, don't do that. Mm. What did you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, as it said in the tin, um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is an issue about being church you know i'm a minister i've, I've got I've got a zero onto your three you know and it's got 30 years and um being a minister is a peculiar thing um because church is peculiar mm-hmm. and it um no one can put a job description onto onto ministry as you know um but you find yourself in so many peculiar places and you're a lot of times you're doing things, you're in the, you, theoretically you should be in the leading edge of everything, doing things for the first time. You've, this has never been done before because you'd be stretching and pulling the church in lots of different directions. And I'm not sure that, you know, we're trained to do that very well. Maybe we are now, but in my day we weren't. And um, you, you're, you, you, the good thing is you've got a lot of initiative. You have to take your own initiative. If you don't have the initiative, then, you know, you might as well be in a cupboard. Um, but the you, you have to kind of keep pulling and stretching yourself, and I find that congregations are, can be really brilliant, and the ones I've been with have been fabulous, so enthusiastic for you, pushing you, willing you on, mm-hmm. and there's support there as well. But no one can actually define what it is, and so why do you want to be a minister? You know, why would you want to do that? Um, well, I suppose that's a question you actually have to answer. <laughs> yeah, they ask you that at the interview. Yeah, they, yeah. they have to. Yeah. And there is no right or wrong there. There may be, I don't know. There may be, oh, I've got this, that, and the next thing. But usually, hopefully, people will say, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. It's an adventure. You know, no one's done the kind of ministry I'm going to do before. Um, and if you have that initiative and that kind of vision for what church and ministry and community is all about, then go for it. Absolutely. Um, I suppose that came from a meeting I was at with you, some council or kind of board that used to be in these days, and we were all done down with all the the, the hoops you had to jump through. And I was a convener um, of a, a, a vice convener of a, a council um, a while ago, and um, for every new idea, there were three hoops you had to jump through yeah. to get permission for. And by the time you got to the third one, ugh, the enthusiasm had gone. So that's where that came from. Yeah, really. I, uh, Used to be a member of staff for one of those, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, th- there was a you know an unsaid thing that if you didn't want to do something, you just waited for a while because it would go away because yeah. partly because the, the the staff would turn over you know and yeah. partly because the council members would turn over, and partly because it it takes so long sometimes to get something done that it's not a good idea anymore by the time mm-hmm. yes yeah you come to do it yeah. And it's that kind of sense of taking a risk, which is, you know, where we are right now, you know, goodness, have we been trained to take risks, you know, and, 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 you're, and you've got to be safe, but you've also got to push and it's finding that middle road. And that's not just ministry. It's not just our kind of ministry, kind of paid ordained ministry. It's everyone's ministry. Yeah. 
Um, and if we can create a community that allows us to do that, then we'll we'll win a watch, we really yeah. have, or win the kingdom. Yeah. What one of the biggest issues I think that that folk talk about in terms of that the opportunity to change or to develop or to try something new is that one of the most problematic things in the church is that we we don't ever stop mm. doing something. So we just add more things. We we don't yeah. ever stop. Um, yeah, and, and perhaps this has given us this. You know, it takes a pandemic to to get you to actually stop. Yeah. Um, although I'm not sure that we have, have we? Well, no. See, that, that this is really interesting. And in, um, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of reading some stuff as you do, and there was an article um, in the Times from someone in India, an author and a journalist in India, who I was in India, I don't know, but she was just kind of commenting that you know when pandemics have come and they have come and they've gone, um, they're like portals. You can make a choice to push through this this hole into the future, but you actually have to leave a whole lot of stuff behind. And after the Spanish flu, that sort of happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we were far more um, cinemas took off and parks took off at, at, at these times. And we left, we left that alone, a whole lot of things. Um, but sometimes it has to be quite a severe thing for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can still hold on to them just to know more, then we'll bring them back because these are our safety blankets. And yeah, I don't know whether we've managed to, um, what we'll let go. Mm. You know, I, I genuinely don't know. We'll let go a lot of things administratively, perhaps. We'll let go a lot of congregations in terms of buildings, maybe. You know, I genuinely don't know if we will do that. We're all talking that way, but whether we will or not, I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, I think this is the easy bit of the, the pandemic. You know, and the hard bit is when we're through it, I we actually have to make these decisions yeah. about what we're going to let go. And and that's going to be really hard. But um, but these times come and we do have to kind of have the 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 wisdom and the um the the daringness, the risk <laughs> of, of of letting go things. And that's not what we're here to do. We're all nice and we don't want to upset anyone. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and you know, people I suppose the the, the pull of that is that a whole lot of people have just been waiting, 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 mm. waiting to come back to church. And yeah. they want it to be exactly the same as it was mm. when they left because mm. they've really, really missed it for all yeah. kinds of reasons. And some of those are, are really good reasons. And at the same time, we know that that model of church hasn't really been working for a long yeah. time. For, for generations. Yeah. yeah. For generations. Yeah. We've, we've survived in legacy. You know, um, you know, there was some research and they were talking actually the church, it was a hundred years ago that the church actually started declining, yeah. even though the numbers went up. Um, our, who we were as a church, our, our idea of what church was, the vision we had, that kind of initi- initiative, that died a hundred years ago. Uh, and we lived in legacy and goodwill. And then during the 50s, 60s, and then it's just kind of plummeting yeah. um, now. And, so the, you know, the, the last pandemic then. So, the, you know, well, indeed, well, there, you years ago, so. there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, after the First World War, that, that, that we changed. And it, there's something quite exciting about the, the, the chance of reimagining the church. And I'm quite into that, but totally scared of letting go this big church that I'm a minister of, you know, it keeps things, other churches going, you know, keeps itself going. And it's incredibly generous. I mean, honestly, um, we were doing our finances last night and I'm thinking, 
this is just amazing how this congregation has responded and uh, enabled things to keep going and, you know, and hugely generous and extra things going on as well. But um, the what do we let go? What do we actually have to say? You know, how do we reimagine? And it's really difficult to reimagine because you can't. <laughs> you actually can't imagine what it will be like. Yeah. And I suppose it's finding ourselves in that ability to be fluid over the next few years rather than, oh, we can do it all again. We can pull back that. And I think we'll notice one people will not come back as much because they'll be initially be scared to, uh, to be in crowds again, etc. But there'll be a, I think there'll be a number of people who will realise that they've been coming to church out of habit and realise they didn't actually have to do that anymore. And I think we'll notice lots of things. And people have died and people have, I know, and that's, that's going to be a real, we're not feeling it quite so much at the moment, but we'll have a real grief in our congregation when we come back together and notice yeah. the gaps. And that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. And as ministers, we're there to, to, to pass and everyone's there to look after each other at these times when these truths come home. Yeah. But the legacy of that is we just can't do what we did, yeah. you know, and yeah. The, 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 the challenge, the, the difficult bit is not now, it's what's coming up over the next five years or so. Um, so whether we want to be in the church at that point in time, that's going to be <laughs> finding our way through because no one knows what's, you know, everyone's going to have an idea. Do you think you, you talked about some of the extra things that, you know, so, so some churches have closed down, you know, mm. they, they just have found that they just don't have the capacity to, to to be in this world, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, this form. So they've just you know closed and kind of they'll wait until it's passed and hopefully reopen kind of thing. And other churches have really flourished. Yeah, you know, they've, they've, you know, you talked about that kind of sense that we don't really know who we are or what we're for. And it turns out that if you give us a crisis, um, then actually we're quite good at that. You know, yeah. the, the church is still one of the few institutions and in, and in most communities that has the capacity to respond in some way to, yeah. to things like this. Yep, yep, yep. And so it has. Yeah. In many ways it has. And that's the best of us yeah. has been able to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it doesn't take, you know, I think at the very beginning of the pandemic, it was all about we discovered how to love our neighbour mm-hmm. again. We're kind of forgotten a wee bit about that again. We're kind of into a routine once more. And we're, this is how we managed to survive because it was really, I mean, just a, I mean, I, I don't know if you already talked about it, but you know, the whole pattern was just a, a grief curve. Yeah. You know, we're in this together. We're going to get through this. And then you you hit the, the, the top and you, it's, it's, this is tiring, you know, and then, all oh, right, this is for a long time and you lose the enthusiasm, the will a wee bit, and then you kind of become depressed and angry at everything and everyone you know, that's when Boris Johnston and all the rest of it had the, their worst times. Um, it was when people were really angry at him um, and had to project your anger or your grief onto onto that. And now I don't know where we are actually on the curve. We're kind of, are we finding our way? Are we are we kind of at that kind of finding a new worldview, getting used to this land, which isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If we can get used to it before we actually think, oh, we can pull back again. <laughs> you know, yeah. In some ways, the vaccines come just a bit too soon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in, in terms of organisational change, it would, yep. uh, you know, it would probably have been better if we'd had to be in this for a year. Yeah. And I think we might be in it for another. Well, yes. Well, it's, yeah. it's going to be after the summer before yeah. things are, you know, everybody's vaccinated, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, if you choose to get a vaccine, I believe. <laughs> Other vaccines are available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but in some ways, you know, th- that 
that allows us to say, oh, it'll be all right. You know, mm-hmm. in, in six months' time, everything will be fine yeah. and we can just go back to normal. An end point. And yeah. that's not a good thing sometimes because no. grief doesn't give you an end point. No. Grief is, you know, is a two-year, three-year, five, ten-year process. And it doesn't come to an end. You just get used to it oh. and you kind of redraw everything. And, you know, maybe, yeah, in a kind of a peculiar um, way, um, we're not going to be in this position long enough for us to make a real I don't I mean I, this is the thing we don't know and at least people are thinking about it I think that's important and as long as we remember these moments when we've had enthusiasm about reimagining and rethinking and hold on to these bits mm-hmm. rather than go quickly back to the safety of what we've always done um there is no right and wrong here um but yeah as long as we can remember these moments when we've had this kind of inspiration that it would be good to rethink. Okay. Yeah. It's a so, big thing, so if we don't know what it's going to look like and it's difficult to imagine what yep. what future church might be, how do we I mean, how do we get there then? Because that that's a terrifying situation for people. And you know, to to say, um, you know, I'm always kind of struck by the the kind of uh, you know, you're clinging to a bit of wreckage, um, and you know that there's a wee island over there, you yeah. just can't see it. Do you let go and swim or not? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you, you yeah, know. oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what are we doing? What am I doing? I think what I am doing is well, all the way through this, you're changing your worldview, does change. Um, you become focused on particular things that you weren't focused on before. For me, it's um, more visual stuff, um, and you, you, I think it is listening to what people are saying and looking at the numbers of, of where people are responding in the resources that you're offering. Most are not responding. That's the bottom line. Most are not. Um, so either you kind of play a lot of time with that and think, well, these are a lot of people that are just going to kind of hold on to what it is and come back when it all sorts it out. But the more interesting bit are, are the people who are turning around to say, actually, I am far prefer your, your, your online input. Mm-hmm. You know, I far prefer the videos for 20 minutes, half an hour, than sitting in church for an hour. Because what they're saying is, I realise that I actually look at the stained glass quite a lot <laughs> while you're preaching or doing whatever you're doing. So what I'm thinking is that people are actually, we're less audible and we're more visual and we knew that, but yeah. that's proved that we can actually do a lot more visual stuff in our congregation. So therefore, if we decide that we, we are a spirituality that's visual, as well as we're storytellers, and I think that's that's basically what I've discovered. We're story because people love a good story, and st- stories are particularly important at the moment. So how do we tell these stories best? And I think we, we can tell them visually. Um, and so let's when we when we start moving back into back and see that's about when we move into the space called the sanctuary and um, rather than go back to it that implies we're going to do what we did in the past uh, shall we focus if we focus now more on storytelling and how to tell these stories in this space if that's what we do how do we tell these stories best how, how do we have to shape things to tell physically and emotionally and all the rest of it to tell these stories which is what we always did that's what stained glass is all about yeah. Um, but they're still going on to stained glass rather than, you know, the, 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 the beautiful words that you'd spend hours crafting, you know. Um, so how do we tell these stories best? If we are, if we, if we are 
if we discover that what we actually like doing now is, is we pray more and, and reflect more, and how do we create a space that allows us to do that as a community? Um, but I think the other thing is that I think what we're missing most is the connection with people. You know, we, we can come to church. You come to church to connect with people, to to have coffee, um, to catch up with the news, etc. Oh, and also worship. But you can actually do the worship online. So why come to church when you can't do the sharing of the coffee and catching up with folk? So that's been really important. How do we create a space that actually engages with our community better? You've got a hall, you've got some pews or seats, you know, how can we actually rearrange it so that we've actually, what we actually really missed was worshipping with people. <laughs> so, you know, and that's a, a line we've been thinking about for, and many churches have already gone down that line and rearranged their, their sanctuary space. But I think we have to rearrange it again, having just rearranged it okay. uh, along these kind of storytelling creating community and um, doing things more visually, being aware of people who are with us rather than just the back of their necks if we've got pews. Yeah. So how we get there, we, we, are, we started kind of thinking about what we're going to do with all other buildings and um, the fabric convener was with our estates manager, what we call them now, um, was saying, you know, we're, just, we're going to throw all that out, all these ideas we had, and we're going to start again having learned the lessons. And I thought, this is good. <laughs> so what are these lessons? And that's what we have to do now is right. give our time to reflect on the lessons that we've, we're learning at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose for us, that looks like uh, we need to rewire the building, you know, yeah. that kind of point. <laughs> um, and part of me thinks, well, why, why just, you know, why just stop there? You know, if you're going to spend that kind of money and it's a lot of money, you might as well spend a lot, a lot of money because mm -hmm. the reality is it's not going to be your money. You know, no. it's, it's going to be grant funding and it's going to be all that kind of stuff. Some of it will be ours and we'll raise some money. But at the end of the day, you're as well spending a million pounds as spending yeah. oh, totally. a hundred thousand yeah, pounds. Yeah. Um, because at the end of it, you get what you want. Yeah. As opposed to you fix what you've already got. Yes. And I, and I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. There's a, there's a kind of a philosophy in church that um, we'll just we'll sort that out. We'll repair that wee bit. We had a, in the previous, not previous months, a man's that I was in, um, <laughs> we had a heating system that was three different heating systems joined together. Right. You know, so no one could come and fix it. And it was all done by people in the congregation who are fantastic, hugely loyal and able to do. And they got it to work, you know, beyond what other people were able to do. Um, and uh, so there was that, but we'd still do that in church. And um, uh, rather than sit down and think, right, what, how big can we dream? <laughs> you know, we limit ourselves to what we can actually get away with fixing. How big can we dream? And even if that's so ridiculously big, you, at least you, you whittle it down a bit yeah. until you've got something that, you can, that actually works for your community. And I think that's the other thing that it's about not how we connect with ourselves, but how we connect with our community. And we keep forgetting that, but we're parish churches. So everything we do is unique for our parish. So the parish here in Bears Den and in Yukopati is different from across the roads. And it is literally just across the road from the cross church. Yeah. But the cultures are different slightly. And so, you know, you, you offer things that are there to for only uniquely useful and designed for your own parish because it's a parish church and we forget that bit. And I'm just going off in a stream of thought here. Um, the the other being a parish church means that even though you're online and we've got people, oh, it's great, isn't it? We've got people in Australia watching us in Canada and New Zealand and things. Like, well, that's great, but it's kind of sort of irrelevant because you're a parish church. <laughs> You know, and, you know, while we can do all that, your focus is connecting with the people on your doorstep. Yeah. 
and um, it has to be uniquely that. And so you can be an online church, but you're not going to be um, specific to the needs of the people in your local area. And it's all about connecting, loving neighbour. And so it's parish stuff. So all that money and all that designing has to be with the community in mind and not having a nice space to worship in because that's irrelevant unless it's connected. That, that's one of the big traps, I think, of, of online worship is that you go for numbers. And yeah, oh, totally. I've heard, heard a lot of conversation about um, almost like satellite parishes or, or like satellite churches, you know. So if you're yeah. set up as a, a broadcast hub almost and people could get together and watch your service, mm-hmm. does that make them part of your church? Yeah. Or does that make them your church in, you know, Auckland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yes. Know, because yeah. you can't, they, you know, they can't be part of all of it. They, all mm-hmm. they can do is experience oh, exactly. Exactly. this bit, you know, the, the kind of online bit. You know, they, yeah. can't, they can't come to the coffee morning on a Tuesday. No. You know, and that's really important. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's quite interesting. I had a conversation with a colleague that, um, um, who said that the, the worst thing we ever did was build church halls. And the reason we that's a bad thing is because what we did was create a church hall and you've got to fill it. So what you do is you create all the groups, your own design groups to fill this hall. Okay, you can rent it out every so often, but you really get nothing to do with them. And you think you've been part of the community. All you're doing is creating space, which is important enough, but um, you're not connecting with people. And so we've created this church hall, these church halls, and we've filled it with our own badminton clubs, our own guilds, our own men's associations, our own Bible studies, etc. Um, and we've actually, if you get rid of the church hall, you don't actually have to worry about filling it. You provide worship for the community. And all these other social groups you have to do together <laughs> rather than just try and finance this hall that you've got to keep going by having all these groups. Yeah. It's a kind of a sideways glance at, you know, mm-hmm. what we should be doing as a church, you know. We're very social and we love being so and that's important, but, you know, we're the worshipping folk in the community, the faith folk, the tenacious folk that are here for the long term um, and not to run necessarily run groups to keep ourselves going and, and, and furnish our own income and uh, keep the numbers going. However, said all that, I'm the minister, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that says <laughs> knock down the building because, you know, because I love the community and I love the people and I love going down because I know them, they're my friends, etc. And you'll give, they'll give anything for you and you'll give anything for them because it is a, it's a relationship of love genuinely. Um, and I'm not going to want to change that. You know, the theory is great, but the practice is, is, slightly different <laughs> yeah it's it's you know is it just too painful although one of the i was, I was struck there by the the idea of knocking down the church hall which appeals greatly in lots of ways um but um, one of the things that's happened because we can't do that just now so none of that's happening is that folk have found kind of alternatives ways of of being in touch um and i wondered you know one of the things i think about is going back too soon is that actually if we'd ever got to kind of tier two or even tier one for a while, I think house things would have started to, yep. to, to really become a thing. Um, we we had asked people just before, uh, during the summer really, you know, if, if you don't have access to watch online, then go to somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And and be with them, you know. But don't don't all go. But you know, <laughs> when, you know, when you were allowed to go into someone else's house, you know, we'll, uh-huh. we'll go around to your neighbour and sit and you know take part in worship together because that feels like a much more 
I, I'm just a much better thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's a corporate experience, so do it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a kind of sense that that might be a thing. And then obviously the, the, the pandemic gets worse. We're not allowed to go into each other's houses. And by the time we get to the point where we could work that out again, we'll, we'll be allowed to go back into the church yeah. building. So we'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but faith at home has become much more important, I think. That's what the body of Christ is. Yeah. You know, the body of Christ is being Christ in being Christ in wherever you are, in the community, in your neighbours, etc. The church is the institution. And, you know, while I love it, I hate it at the same time. You know, it's that kind of love-hate relationship because it's an institution and it has to keep itself going and it exists for itself in many ways. And I know that's cynical, um, but that's how it feels sometimes. And, you know, that's how it works. That's how all institutions work. The institutions are actually dying now quicker than they have, you know, and, you know, bowling clubs, golf clubs, churches, you know, political parties on the whole, you know, all these things are, we're all becoming less connected in that way. Um, and, you know, so, but we do need connect. I think we've discovered we do need connection and now, and I wonder how that's going to happen. I just, I don't know. And so, so as a church, what we ought to kind of allow ourselves to do is be fluid enough to allow anything, you know, just explore everything oh. um, and say, we're not doing this forever. We're just going to try this. We're piloting everything this year. <laughs> you know, any suggestion, let's do it, you know, and, and see what rises to the surface oh. um, and have that risk ability um, to, yeah, to give life to things. And, that, and that's what we are as a church. And one of the things I think we, we've learned over the years is that um, we are a, we are a church that can give life to things, and when it has life, you can let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't actually have to hold on to it and say it's ours and be proud of being the owner and initiator, and we're going to keep this going for as long as we can. No, once it's got life and it's viable in its own, um, we did a, we kind of started um, community festivals here, and um, the festival now has life of its own. So we're, we're, we're working a way of, of handing that over to a community interest company and let it go. Yeah, we started it. But that's what we do. That's what we did with schools. That's what we did with the hospitals. That's what we did with the prisons in, this, you know, in the past. Um, and so let's give life to things and don't feel as if we have to own it. Yeah. We are the creative lot. That's what people of faith are. We are tenacious. We're, we're trustworthy. Um, we, we are able to do things. Um, and we've got we've got the organisation that allows us to 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 um, put all these things together, give it life, and let it go, and it has its own life, you know. And that's what we do. That's what God does. That's what you know. That's what creation's about. Mm. That's why we've got evolution, you know, etc. God lets it go, and you know maybe that's where we are now. We'll just let it go. Let it. Oh, and we burst into song. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you soundtrack there, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it seems to me that f- for you, that the the worship part of that is really important because that's the bit that that's the bit that um, energizes and and is almost the kind of the the creative. I don't know what, what it would be the, the the kind of the the seed the thing that the or the or, the, or perhaps even the the soil that that allows these ideas to grow and yeah. connects us to yeah. this sense that yeah. you know we're about something 
You yeah. know, this isn't just a social club. It's we're, we're about birthing these new ideas. Yeah, in many ways, it's the unique thing, isn't it, about a church? Not the only. I mean, other people worship in other ways, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it's having this bundle of stories that we've got, and and as we're meant to do every week, is reinterpreting them for this age, um, and. I suppose I've found myself doing that. I'm not going to say do it more. That's not true because we do it every Sunday. But because we're in this very peculiar situation, suddenly these stories are recontextualized. <laughs> suddenly you, you discover things in them that you hadn't, because you weren't in this space, you couldn't see them before. And that makes them faith stories because they're not, um, they're not time bound in any way. And it's just been incredible how you've, find connections and being able to retell this story and thought, oh, wait a minute. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that makes sense suddenly uh, in this way. And uh, I, and all the, 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 how we can actually use these stories to reshape our community. Now, you know, a couple of weeks, it was the, the, the parable, the, the tenants, you know, uh, the talents, not the tenants, the talents. And, you know, we've always told this story as if it's about talents and it's not about talents at all. You can use it as talents. That's no problem. But, you know, who did, who, what did the first hearers hear in this story? That's this question we have to ask ourselves every time we tell these stories, because it's not how we hear it. It's obviously sometimes 180 degrees different. And, you know, the, the parable, the, 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 the talents is that the last guy was the one that says to the, who buried his talents, which was a way to do things. Um, but he said, here's it back. I'm not going to take part in this system that you've got me as a slave, you as a landowner, you disappear and I look after your money for you. Forget it, mm. you know, and here's it back. And so, and the reality is, well, if you do that, you're chucked out, you know, this is a, this is a, a parable about the world. And so taking these talents as the church, and being living like that, taking the risk of being, you know, ostracized by speaking truth to power. And so when we reshape this community, this new community, this new normal, which we can do, mm-hmm. um, because we've got the stories to, to as the foundation of all of that, use these stories to shape it. I remember once talking to um, a previous moderator, and I can't remember what it was about. Was it about the Westminster Confession or all these kind of rules we've got and, and things like that. We, and I just suggest to him in a kind of throwaway comment, maybe we should just get rid of all of that and just replace them with stories. Mm. And he, he did nod <laughs> and said, yeah, it may be a bad thing. Use the stories of Jesus rather than try and have all this doctrine and policy, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, because what it does is it, it that tries to boil it all down to the right answer. Yes, There's and there isn't an answer. About the right answer. There is only an adventure. Yeah. There's only a question that leads to, and if you try to answer that question, you lead to an adventure. Yeah. It's a way, it's not about answers. And yeah, use the stories as your basis because that's what we've got. And they're fabulous for doing that. The, 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 you know, the whole kingdom is based on all these, I mean, the Good Samaritan, you know, it's such a good story at this time to tell two, for two reasons. One is we have to be the guys that walk on the other side of the roads in many ways, you know, just to keep safe. But then you've got this, uh, this Samaritan who the first hearers would not identify with at all. Suddenly we identify with the Samaritans, the Good Samaritan. No, 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 no. The first people who heard it would identify the guy that's beaten up oh. on the road. And then you have to realize, actually, I have to have my enemy because one day that enemy is going to may have to look after me, maybe my the person that saves me from you know. So you know, retell these stories and use them 
um, to reshape the community we've got now. And that's what worship does. It opens that possibility. Rather than tell the stories we've heard it as Sunday school children, that's fine. Tell it as Sunday school children. But there's another way of hearing it. There always is another way of hearing it. Um, and it's up to us to do all the, the, the groundwork in that, to research, to listen again, to listen again, to listen again, um, to, through all the centuries of how these stories have been told. Um, and, you know, here's a way of telling this story. It may not be what you're wanting to hear or right for this moment, but it's a way, you know, and, and just let it ferment and, and, and see what it changes. And it's interesting you brought up the, the parable of the talents. The, the first time I heard the interpretation that you just gave of it was from a South African woman. Mm during my training and we yep. were talking about it and you know it was one of those oh it's about this and she said yes. no it's not no. no it's not and i wondered um that's born at a crisis yes and i wonder yep. actually if these stories make much more sense in crisis because they were told in crisis you know that's and we're so in the middle of a crisis and so they, you know on. and that's what's happened yeah that's why i think these stories are i feel much more um alive to them <laughs> because we are in crisis yeah and you hear them differently. Yeah. You know, you know, and all the old, I mean, yeah, and every story's like that. I mean, who <laughs> it was um, Jonathan Sachs who who says they kind of the who used to be the chief rabbi died suddenly and sadly, you know, a, a month or so ago, um, who said that, you know, you can only take these stories as metaphor. <laughs> Don't take them as like, that's the heresy is taking them too literally because there are stories that are meant to speak into a moment and a, and through a moment mm. and you hear different things in them, you know, and um, he was really interesting for, for all of that. And I would recommend reading, you know, everything he wrote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. he's, he's good at reinterpreting and, and re-understanding them in a particular time. And that's, what, that's why they're faith stories. They're not tied down. Yeah. So one of the one of the ways that you do that and you help other people to do that, and I'm hugely um, grateful for, is that you write things down, yeah. um, which is and you share them, which is one of the things that we're not particularly good at. Um, we, we we're all mm. a bit either precious or yeah. uh, um, far too <laughs> modest or whatever it is that that stops us from sharing things that we create. I'm terrified that people think they're terrible mm. probably is the, the, the kind of thing that's at the heart of most of it and um, but for years and years and years you've written bits of liturgy that you've shared generously with anybody that wants it you know you're, you're not you're not at all precious mm. about that um why did why do you do that well two things um one is well in the sharing of these things um there's always the caveat that you must not use this as it is written. Mm. You have to adapt it and edit it to suit your own space, culture, people, language, etc. Because it's written, I have in mind who I'm writing that for, and that's the congregation that I'm with. Mm. And between the two congregations I've been in, um, the writing is quite different yeah. because you're in a different space. Um, and I'm just looking for, yeah, in my... Red section, you know, and they all fall down. Um, common ground, yep. you know, it frustrates me no end <laughs> that people open it and read. Yeah. No, it says read the front bit. If you want to read anything in the common ground, read the, the, the preface, you know, and it says there, don't take the words straight off the page. These are these are just ideas, these are hints, these are these are this is the shape of liturgy, right? This will give you an idea. But take the words and then develop your own and grow them for your own language. There's nothing, nothing, nothing prescriptive 
about a free church and we are a free church. We write our own liturgy. And so part of maybe the writing of it is to, to kind of just keep hammering home that we are designed as ministers to write liturgy. That's what we are called to do. That's the, the, the one task that is uniquely, uniquely ours um, is to write that liturgy. So I do. And people have asked for copies. So I, I just send it to people if they want with the caveat, rewrite this please for your own thing. I, it was, oh, 20 years ago. No, more than that, 30 years ago, um, we used to use um, Whole People of God um, resources. It's up here on my shelf somewhere. Um, and uh, there's a wee part of that that says it was called Collective Wisdom. And the idea was that you, you use their materials written in Canada and you what you did, you threw it back, you threw it back at them the way you've edited it for your own culture. And they're always interested in that. And I did that for years and years and years and years, just because I'm a good Presbyterian. I do what I'm told and that's what I did, you know, and, uh, and so I sent it back. And then I got a wee email one from a guy I didn't know um, and said, you won't know who I am, Roddy, but um, we've actually um, found some of your um, collected wisdom stuff you send back. We quite like what you've done. And we're wondering if you could write for this new resource called Seasons of the Spirit. Um, um, you may want to think about this, but you, well, we're going to have to ask you to come over to San Francisco. And then six weeks, six months later, come over to Kelowna, which is in the Okanagan Valley in, in um, um, British Columbia. And I said... How long do you want me to think about this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so politely left it a day and replied, yes, 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 yes. You know, and but being part of a community that writes kind of realizes that this is alive and this stuff is freshly done all the time. And there's a whole community of people out there that does that. And um, we don't share that, as you say, often enough, because I'm desperate to hear from other, I have my own know poets and authors and, and things like that I go to but you're always keen to hear how how it's happening in the church next door because as ministers we don't connect we, we, we don't go and we can't go and see other people's worship and experience it we can now pardon we can now we can now yeah I know <laughs> yeah, that's right. and that's a mildly terrifying thing and then you realize oh no but, uh, <laughs> partly, but also I, I think uh, oh yes you know, I, mm. I, you know, I see loads of stuff that I think I'd never have thought to do that or say that. Yeah, or, well, that's the thing. And it's brilliant. Yeah, totally, totally. And that and, and that's why and we're here. We're meant to be the creatives. So be creative. And and, and our, 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 our gift is to be able to share that beyond our own congregation. Um, because we are not, we're ministers of, of the church, capital C, universal, and not just the minister of the parish. Uh, and yes, people can be very precious with things like children's addresses. I don't do children's addresses anymore, but um, we do kind of conversations and things like that. But I remember, you know, I've got I've got a Christmas children's address that I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want them to use it, <laughs> you know, because it's mine, you know. And you know, everyone says that, and it's true. You, you have that with prayers as well, and and communion liturgies and things if they don't use common order, you know. But it's not valuable unless it's used, yeah. you know, and shared and adapted and, <laughs> you know, I, th I don't know whether it's because of Queen Elizabeth, you know, the first, and um, when you know, printing presses came out, um, they, they started um, the, the Book of Common Order or Common Prayer um, was published. And so, you know, she said, or the church at that time said, you have to use this. 
And at that stage, you know, you had your Glasgow masses, your Coventry masses, your St Andrews masses. They're all slightly different, growing from around the, the community culture of the the, the the cathedral or abbey or whatever. Um, and then the printed prayers come out, and then it standardised everything. And eventually, they said, if you don't use the book of, co- of prayer, common prayer, then one, we're going to take your salary, your your stipend away, your house away, and then we'll actually imprison you. Mm. You know, so suddenly we've all feel as if we've all got to do the same stuff. No, 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 that's not what liturgy is about. Liturgy is of the people, the work of the people, and it's the people of the parish. So we hear and listen to the parish, write the words, shape the liturgy around their 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 needs or, you know, whatever, their, their ambitions, etc., faith, whatever they are. And yeah, let it live. Let it grow, and etc. Rather than standardise it and do the same thing. No wonder the churches, you know, are dull if we keep doing this. I did. I once did. <laughs> I don't tell anyone who wrote this book. Um, <laughs> uh, I wrote. I write. You know, your own communion liturgies every mm-hmm. every communion for the moment in time, etc. Um, and one week, I, I, I don't know why I did it, but I, I took the liturgy out of this, I, word for word. It was the first Sunday. Um, I got so many complaints. It was boring. It was dull, and um, and that proves this is for I. This gives you the shape of the liturgy. That's all it does, um, and let it grow because people I think are engaged enough to hear familiar words for their own community as well. You 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 bring in all the ancient words. Because you, if you can do you can do that beautifully, you know, it's alive in this community, but we're going to pull in. And nothing we have is Church of Scotland. Everything is Orthodox or, or Roman or it comes from hundreds of years ago. None of it is Church of Scotland. And so we use all these ancient words to become the ecumenical, worldwide, universal, global church. But it's also in this moment and this place and this time because we use our own words and culture and language to, to hold these ancient words. So what would you say to, you know, so so the danger of that then is that, you know, so we, we both, well, you do, and I occasionally do, um, right, first spill the beans, you <laughs> usually finish the bits that I don't do. Um, so, so we create a liturgy book yeah. and then we give it to people. And yeah. if they're anything like me, they think, oh, I'm really busy, it's Thursday. Um, yeah, I'll just, just use the prayer. Um, is, is, is there a danger in that or is, or is the, the, the hope always that at some point I'm going to say, well, that doesn't quite fit. I'm going to have to sit with this for a while and fix it and cut bits out of it and put in some other bits. And, you know, so even, even if I'm not writing my own liturgy, what I am doing is editing and thinking about the context that I'm in. Yeah, that's absolutely what to do. I mean, it's, it's, I suppose I'm going to say they use the word compromise, but that's not the word I want to use. It's, I think we should be busy doing liturgy, <laughs> you know, because that comes from the work that we do. And, and that's the outflowing of, of your week's work, you know, into the, the, the people that's called worship. Okay, and I get that we can be so busy that sometimes you can't sit down and write that stuff um, from scratch. And so therefore that's when you take the idea and edit it and adapt it so that it, it, it feels familiar you know, in your mouth and in the, in your people's, in your people's, that's rubbish, God's people's ears. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, I write, you know, when we use seasons or spill the beans, etc. cetera, um, I write it, but I never use it again because I've moved on. You know, that Very was three or four months ago. Um, I'm not in that place anymore. And you know, you move on again. Um, you're alive to it a bit more. So 
never ever have used anything I've written <laughs> for somebody for a, a publication. You know, it, 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 kind of part of that is that you know, scenes of the spirit, um, uh, which was kind of grew out of Hope People of God, um, they had four publishing houses or part of four different denominations. And so when you started writing, um, it became a point, you, you, it had to become not the lowest common denominator, but it became because everyone had to, oh, you can't say that, you can't say that. And, yeah. You know, you've got to, that's when you can't, that's when it doesn't work. That's why you write for the people that you're ministering among um, and uh, and take all the chances, take all the risks, do all the wrong things, but it's right for this time, this place, this people, yeah. etc. Um, so yeah, literature is alive and it, you can't repeat it. And, and the other thing is it's a massive investment. You know, you spend a lot of time writing, finding the right, I mean, I could spend hours I spend a lot of time, you know, writing. I don't spend hours doing it. You, you, you just find a technique of doing it. But um, once you've used it, you've used it. And you put it's really expensive stuff. And I was talking to a, a, a colleague, again, about legacy, you know, as you, we all kind of start to retire and, and, and churches are closing down, what's going to be left? And we realized that that's actually the wrong question. Everything we do is for the moment mm. in, in much of this, this stuff, caring for someone in the moment, um, writing the worship in the moment. And that's where it's expensive because you never go back to it. See, that answers a question that I've always had. Where is, where's the book of Roddy Hamilton's collected liturgy? No, there's never going that's, to be. That's the answer. There will never be that book. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And, it, and it's only given away if people ask for it yeah. as well. You know, you, you, it's not out there. You know, right, come and, and it's absolutely the, 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 quite the opposite. It's only there because people ask, and it's only there with a caveat. As a starter, it's not very good. It worked for me, but it, it, I hope it doesn't work for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think our preparation for ministry even touches on some of that stuff? Because I think oh. there's this kind of sense that you you do an academic thing, which in some senses, should give us some tools to ask good questions. That's what I think yeah. academic study is all about. It's actually about enabling yeah. you yeah. to ask good questions. Absolutely. But that whole idea of being creative, I think, is something that you can learn. It's something that you can develop. It's something loads of people say, oh, that's not me. I can't do that. And that's nonsense. You know, we, we can all find ways to be creative. And perhaps one of the things that's happened in the pandemic is that we've had to do that. You know, we've been forced to think about, yeah. well, if I can't do it like this, how am I going to do it? And that's a creative process. That's a good thing. You know, so so how yeah. do we how do we get people to? I mean, it's a really interesting yeah. question. I mean, it was, is it Pope? Which Pope was it? I can't remember. Um, but one of the last couple of Popes, um, one of them said that, you know, if you're ever going to lead the Mass, you have to have six months looking at art sorted absolutely you know we, we we do a lot of academic stuff and that's absolutely right shelves full of it you know um, and that's good because you need the words and you need the kind of the background and all that sort of stuff but we also need i would i would suggest two things <laughs> if i was wanting to if i was going to be trained as a minister there's two things i'd look for one is um to i'd be forced to do a six-month community project at least 
So I, how to learn to engage with folk in, in community, partnership working, fundraising, all these sort of things, and speak to people that you don't often speak to mm-hmm. and engage in, and, and, and find a different worldview. Do that. And the other thing is to do an arts course mm-hmm. uh, on art or poetry or music or, 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 or sculpting or just something. I mean, there's a, you've used this a, a few times, this illustration that a lecturer who said, go into the art gallery. And pick one painting, doesn't matter what it is, and stare at it for a day. That's all you have to do. Look at nothing else. Take your sandwiches, stare at that picture of the day. And I'll guarantee you, she said, that by the end of the day, you'll see something. Just in the last five minutes, you'll see something that you hadn't seen that you've been looking at for the last six hours. Um, and that painting will become something really special to you. And then you'll use it as a voil, uh, a lens through which to see the world. Um, that's what we should be doing uh, in our writing because we're not taught how to write liturgy particularly well. Um, and we part of that is, well, you go into the parish and you learn how to do it. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> no one sits really down don't. and says, this is how you craft things. I don't know how to do it. I mean, I, I probably should have... When I did hires, when they do have hires, um, they, I, my hire, I failed my higher English completely. So badly, it wasn't even a compensatory O grade. There was nothing on the certificate, which is an advantage, you know, but it was, it was, it was mince. And um, what I should have been allowed to do was um, choose the creative writing option. But the teacher said, don't go anywhere near that. And I don't know why, but I imagine it's because they don't know how to correct, how to mark it. Yeah. How do you mark creativity? <laughs> you know, what's good creativity is some is bad to someone else, etc. Um, I did this English again and passed. But now I write poems all the time and, you know, and all these sort of things. It's, it's a bit of a maturity thing. But uh, there's a thing that y- y- you can't mark creativity, but you can, I think you're right, you can teach it. You can give people opportunity to explore it and engage with it. And to be able to do that, I think our storytelling... And our creative space and our liturgy would be far more interesting to to hear and possibly also look at because I think we would develop that more. But we keep falling back um, onto the because it's safe. Yeah. Someone's done this for us, the, the, the panel and doctrine or whatever it was in these days. Yeah, and that's a bit. That's just a bit in, partly engaging with the world, doesn't it? Because totally, hundred percent. That's all it is. Of, of, <laughs> It's full of art and, you know, I, I always think, you know, you can you can tell the weeks that I've spent sitting at my desk and not yeah. engaged with anything else because really? when it comes to Sunday and I've got to say something, yeah, it's, it's almost always disengaged. Yes. You yeah. know, whereas if I've been in the world and looking at things and watching films and reading books and, yeah. you know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff, you yeah. can tell because it all... Yes. in there somehow and how often have you found the connection and something yeah. you never thought I mean we're just talking about this bookshelf here it's all coloured coded because I think in colour I remember a book by the colour of its cover but what you do is you pick out a book from the shelf and as another book that's entirely different um, but it's the same colour so you pull that out as well and there's a connection you find connections between things so and I've, I think it's invariably you read something, see something, watch something, and you realise two days later when you're coming down to write something, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> there's that's a connection there. And that's, that's, that, that, that was the tradition of a beauty, the, the beauty of a Scottish education, that you had multi you had multi-medium, you know, you, you did physics and you did art and you did maths and you did, you know, whatever. And that's why you had such brilliant inventors mm. because they, they used different... Um, areas of work and brought them together and created things. 
And that's you know, what that's what stories do, isn't it? They, they, totally. What they do is just give us a lens to bring all of those things together. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and it, it, it's a kind of a, a story's a magnet. It pulls us into it, and when we're in the middle of it, you know, it, it can chuck us back out again. And oh, I'm in a different world. Or you see things. You keep thinking about that stories. You you watch things and you see connections between it. These are these are the stories that are real, you know, and last. And that's why they're you know three four thousand years old. And we you know one of our stories is the oldest story on the planet, which is the story of Noah and the Epic of Gilgamesh. You know. That's why they're still around. <laughs> they're brilliant. Love it. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, and I, I, and I think, I suppose part of that task then is to help other people to make those connections with yeah. the things that they yeah. encounter. Yeah, and so what we do is provide a framework for for other yeah. people to to make those yeah. connections in the way yeah. that we've done. And that's what we should be able. And, I, and if if that's what we're doing, how do we create a space? physically and emotionally and spiritually to do that. And it does mean physically. So how do you rearrange where you worship and engage and contact people in order to do that? You know, we have coffee after the service and it's only recently we put tables out. Everyone was standing, you know, people engage better at a table. Yeah. And you actually, is this seat free? Can I sit down? Suddenly you get another conversation going. Yeah. People don't easily walk into groups of people standing because it's, it's more intimidating but sitting down is more open. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it forms the group, doesn't it? Every, yeah, so every it's older it's, and you can't get in. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. So it's about physical, spiritual, and emotional space. How do if if what we're doing is telling stories and getting people to engage with with these things and, and seeing the world? What do we actually have to do now to create a different space that allows that to happen? And we keep on jumping too far ahead. We keep on jumping. Oh, we're going to change it. We could do this in the church. We could do that in the church. No, 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 no. That's not, you're never going to talk about that. Talk about what are we about? If we understand what we're about in any ways whatsoever, how, how do we reshape everything we do? The language, the meetings, the space, the, 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 the times we meet, everything in order to allow that thing that we say we're about to happen best. One of, one of the words that people then use about um, the liturgy is that it's a, it's a drama. Yes, completely. Um, but it's the it's possibly the worst staged drama in the world, then, isn't it? You know. So what you're saying is that the, the staging of this playing yeah. out of these stories and the unfolding of them, we we, we don't, you know, we've, we've made it about stand, you know, a person standing in a box, yeah, you know, up, up high so that people can hear them, and yeah. you know, and sometimes, as you said, be distracted by the stained glass because mm-hmm. that's the only thing there is to look at, mm-hmm. um, and they'll, you know, we sing some songs because, yeah. you know who can listen to somebody speaking for an hour, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, or, or because the music actually engages with us in a very different way. Yes. Yeah. And it's very important. And it's one of the things that, that I think people, you know, of all the things that, that folk miss, it's the thing that, that probably we've dropped out of the online service. You know, there's not as much music Yeah, and people really miss it. Yeah. Because it, it you know, it, music does something that other things don't do. Yeah, totally. And, and is that part of, the training we should give, not just ministers, but congregations as well, those who are interested, you know, community projects, engage with the art. But part of that is how to be, how to do drama. <laughs> you know, how does a, a film director direct a film? How does, he, how does he or she create these moments, that atmosphere? Because you're absolutely right. The, the, the shape of the building is drama. 
because it's shaped in a particular, it's not just kind of thrown together, it's thought about. The windows are drama. The liturgy is drama. The, I mean, <laughs> and think of the two sacraments we have, the two signs we actually have is communion and baptism, both massive dramas, <laughs> hugely so. You know, and what we do is we kind of tap the water on, you know, we should be pouring water and lots of noise to start off with and things like that and, and create the drama and then, you know, do all the, the bits we traditionally do, but create the drama in the space and the, the, the table, you know, create a shape, a space that it, I, just, I actually want to be around that table. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, something well, happening on that table. It's live. It's not just beautifully putered um, goblets that no one's allowed to touch except the minister. There's nothing, nothing that no one else can, is not allowed to do in the uh, communion except the epiclesis bit, the bit that says, I call down the Holy Spirit. And you don't actually have to have that. Yeah. It's not in there. And it doesn't have to be in there. And, and John Knox didn't have it. You know, he wrote it. He didn't have it in there. Uh, and that's the only bit you're meant to be ordained to be able to do. So everyone can do everything else. So let's do the drama. Let's tell the stories with pictures. Mm. You know, there you go. Amen. I'm <laughs> going to enjoy being at your heresy trial. <laughs> I'm sure there's a queue of them. <laughs> and after these times, there might be a longer queue. Yeah, well, that's it. All the things we've tried out been the better for it. Brilliant, yeah. Roddy. Thank you so much for your time today. That's been a, a fantastically inspiring conversation, that's as always. Better, that's all it is. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>